Well, good morning and uh, happy long weekend to all of you. Welcome here. My name is Kevin. I serve as the uh, Attridge site pastor here. Last week, I came up and I read an announcement about the resignation of Brad Birkin, our worship pastor. And as I've processed with many of you this week, I have consistently sensed the Holy Spirit's work in you and in me and in us. We want to allow people time to process, but at the same time, we are going, we want to anticipate this mic, Chris, you did a good job before, sorry. We want to have people have time to process, but at the same time, we're going to anticipate that the Holy Spirit of God is going to be alive and at work in our congregation, moving us ahead. We're a diverse congregation, but we are unified by the Spirit of God, comforting and challenging us at the same time. And so I challenge you with the same challenge that I gave you last week as I prayed. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I anticipate that some of you are saying, um, how do I hear the Holy Spirit? I would expect that there are some of you saying, what's the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? As Marine said, uh, we're stepping into a new series that's focused on the Holy Spirit called 50 Days. The 50 days are the days between Christ's resurrection and Pentecost. As Christians, we believe that Jesus was crucified on a cross 2,000 years ago, and then he rose to life again. We have this belief because of the many eyewitness accounts of his bodily resurrection appearing to people after he rose from the dead. For those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Pentecost is the day where we celebrate the birth of the church by the filling of the Spirit for all believers. After Pentecost happened, the early church gathered together and they grew rather quickly. These will be some of the events that we'll be taking a look at during this, this series. Today, we are going to specifically focus on the Holy Spirit, and more specifically, people's encounters with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at the first couple of chapters of Acts, and so let's start in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up from, to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the promised gift to believers. Up until this point, as we, as we look back into the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was present, but only in individuals for, for specific purposes. Bezalel, Gideon, Samson, prophets like Isaiah. The prophet Joel prophesied that the Holy Spirit would come on all believers, not just individuals, not just specific events. He says this, Joel chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So even before Jesus, the Spirit was present and was expected to come on all people. So the Holy Spirit isn't some newer invention, not an upgrade to God. God first, Jesus, new upgrade, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was present since the beginning. He's not just some tagline that someone thought would kind of round out a prayer kind of nicely instead of just saying, in the name of Father and Son, and it kind of was like, ah, we need something else. Holy Spirit. It's not just a tagline. The Spirit of God was present in the very beginning. Genesis 1, the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. As Jesus came on the scene, the Holy Spirit activity really ramped up quickly. Uh, his mother, Mary, as well as other family members like his cousin, John the Baptist, were filled with the Spirit. Jesus, is, Jesus was even filled with the Spirit at his baptism. Matthew 3 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. So all throughout Scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit is closely connected to God the Father and to Jesus. And this is where we get the belief of the Trinity. We say that the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. We believe that God is one, but that he reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three parts that are fully equal. People have used analogies for uh, a long time to help understand what this trinity is. Uh, do we have grade fives and sixes, LITs here in the room that were with Jody? That could someone tell me one of the analogies that you guys learned this past year? A brave grade five or six shouted out, what's an analogy of the trinity that you learned in LIT? Three-leaf clover. Three clover. Thank you. Good one. 
Other ones. Other kids can help. What's that? A fidget spinner. I haven't heard that one. What's your dad teaching you? How does that work, Mark? Oh, yeah, the three parts of the fidget spinner. Didn't think of that one. Okay, three parts of the fidget spinner spinning around. Okay, it's all one. Nice. Hey, you're teaching me things this morning. I like that. Thank you. State of matter, where we have water, we have air, we have solid. Human body, we have body, we have minds, we have souls. All examples of three together to be one. But even there, they're all incomplete. We don't fully able to articulate the Trinity, and it becomes something that we need to accept simply by faith. One of the best ways to describe how we describe the Trinity is to use the confession of faith uh, of our denomination, the Mennonite Brethren. I'd like to read it for you here. It'll be up on the screen. The Holy Spirit, the Counselor, is the creative power, presence, and wisdom of God. The Spirit convicts people of sin, gives them new life, and guides them into all truth. By the Spirit, believers are baptized into one body. The indwelling Spirit testifies that they are God's children, distributes gifts for ministry, empowers for witness, and produces the fruit of righteousness. As comforter, the Holy Spirit helps God's children in their weakness, intercedes for them according to God's will, and assures them of eternal life. So we're looking at the 50 days from resurrection to Pentecost. The church has celebrated these 50 days as the season of Easter. In the church calendar, we have Lent, a time of fasting, a time of prayer, a time of generosity, as the 40 days that are leading up to Easter. The Easter season is the 50 days of feasting and of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. You may notice that the feasting is longer than the fasting. We're still celebrating Easter. We're still celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Up until Pentecost. And then we have a birthday party for the church when the Holy Spirit came. It's described like this in Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When the Holy Spirit came, the church was born. The disciples were now empowered by God's Spirit, and they boldly declared that Jesus had conquered death. People accepted their testimony. People repented of their sins. They were baptized, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and sent out into the world to testify about the transformation that they had experienced by meeting the resurrected Savior, Jesus. So it's great to talk about the Holy Spirit and to learn and to provide some theology and a confession and those kinds of things. But just like a famous celebrity or an important friend or family member, it's way better to meet them in person. 
I can theologically try to explain the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit's already here. As Christians, in community, the Holy Spirit is among us. But I've been praying for weeks as I've been preparing for this sermon that today you would meet the Holy Spirit in a new way. One of the ancient prayers of the church is simply this. If you want to learn a new prayer, here it is. It's real easy. Come, Holy Spirit. That's the prayer. Come and heal our hurts. Come and empower us. Come and convict us. Come and restore broken relationships. Come and encourage us. Come and challenge us. For me, I met the Holy Spirit when I was in grade 7. I grew up in BC, and my youth group was going to go on a canoe trip. Youth Pastoring 101 says very clearly, do not take grade 7 boys on canoe trips. Not a good idea. So me and my buddies were on a canoe trip, and uh, we had, we had uh, I don't know how many paddles were in a boat, and there were tons of dragonflies. And so we're out on the water, three, maybe four of us to a canoe, all four of us standing up, swinging wildly for the fences with these dragonflies around us and all sorts of stuff. You can only imagine how well uh, that trip went. For some reason, in the midst of this trip, I ended up uh, sneaking away from camp. I climbed up a shale cliff. I looked back. The camp was over here. The lake was here. Beautiful mountain in the background. Sunset behind that. And all of a sudden, I just realized he's real. That was it. The whole moment. He was real. God was real. All my Sunday school lessons, my prayers with my family, all of those things that I had learned up to those time clicked in that one moment. It probably lasted about four seconds. I was a grade seven boy. God speaks to grade seven boys and what they can handle. I went back down and and that was that. But it stuck with me for my entire life. The only way I can describe it was that the Holy Spirit was revealing himself to me, was revealing the beauty of God, was revealing the presence and the power of God in my life, and it has stuck with me. That's that's what the Holy Spirit does. For me, I have learned to listen to the Holy Spirit from that time on to where I hear the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. I think for no reason to pray for someone. I don't know why. All of a sudden, someone just comes into my mind. This week, I was, uh, last week, I was praying for uh, someone. uh, We have new uh, baptism membership uh, candidates coming in, and and we connect them with a sponsor. And so I was praying, okay, so who should I connect this person with? And out of the blue, a person that I hadn't thought of in a while came to mind, and I was like, oh, That's the perfect person to connect these two. So I went and I asked him if he'd be willing. He's willing, and away we go. They'll meet uh, next Sunday. Just little simple things of where the Spirit of God just speaks. Those are some of my experiences. I've invited three other people to come up here. Come on up, you guys. Uh, They are going to also speak of what the Holy Spirit... You're starting 
uh, of what the Holy Spirit has done in their life. Because uh, like I said, I can teach you about the Holy Spirit, but until you actually hear what the Holy Spirit has done, uh, I think that'll help you make sense and actually meet the Holy Spirit here this morning. Hi. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chloe Leans. Uh, over the last 10 years or so, I've been involved in the youth ministry in some way or another. And before that, I attended the youth programs as a student. This past year, I was a part of something called Source Saskatchewan, which is a 10-day mission and discipleship experience run by Ryan and Terry Epp with Multiply, uh, like formerly known as MB Mission. Our youth has been part of SOAR for a number of years, and it has always been such an incredible time of growth for our teams. This year, as I was involved on the leadership team called Ground Control, I had the opportunity to engage with the students and leaders in a different way. I could observe, I could listen, I could, could encourage, and in turn, I was also filled. During the first weekend of SOAR, the team spent their time in orientation. It was a time for them to be trained and equipped in their leadership abilities and filled by the Holy Spirit so they could then go out and spend the next five days in various ministry assignments throughout the inner city of Saskatoon. On Saturday, they have a time of intercession. Intercession is when a person or a group of people come to Jesus through prayer on behalf of another person. Each team from SOAR spends an hour with a group of intercessors. Intercessors. These intercessors are people from our ground control team, people from Multiply, and others that weren't involved in SOAR other than just on this day, many from our own congregations. Every student gets prayed over individually, and every team as a whole gets prayed over. The intercessors specifically ask for words or pictures for each individual, and then share that with them and send them out into the week to discern what they heard and, and be encouraged as they serve. The stories that came out of their times of intercession were incredible. Some felt like they heard from Jesus for the first time ever. Words of affirmation were poured out over them, and they were certainly filled by the Spirit so they could then go and, go and serve. The Saturday morning before the time of intercession, all of the leaders came together for a session where Carol Lechman from Multiply led us through how to lead someone through prayer counseling. Though it may seem odd, I, along with the team leaders in ground control, sat through one of her sessions with another SOAR leader and watched as they walked through some significant personal and spiritual battles in her life. The whole idea of prayer counseling is to allow the student or friend or whoever it may be to work through their battles, no, no matter how big or small, with Jesus, to help the person hear from God. They do, do this through a mediator who comes to Jesus with their requests. They would ask questions like, Jesus, what do you have to say to this person? Jesus, where are you at in the situation before us? Jesus, what does this person need to see you more clearly? Jesus, is there anything that this person needs to let go of? Etc. After each question, they spend time in silence as a student asks Jesus and waits for what he has to say to them. Once he or she feels like they have something, they share it with the mediator and then move forward from there. The idea is that with each new word or picture that the student receives is what you build on until you feel like they have enough from the Lord to go back on their own and discern what comes next. This sometimes means leaving it be and coming back to it at a completely different time. Or maybe you feel like you've been given a complete picture by the end of your time together. It's about stopping to ask Jesus to give us the answers. Learning to listen, learning to wait, learning to receive. For the leader or mediator, it's about facilitating discussion with your student or friend 
and encouraging them to listen to the Spirit, maybe for the first time ever, learning to be quiet rather than solve their problems, and learning all of the same things as the student as well, listening, waiting, receiving, discerning. I've never been introduced to something like this. Prayer and discernment, yes, but specific counseling and mentorship in this way, no. I thought it was such a powerful way to counsel youth, and it's something that I've been thinking and praying about since, most specifically in terms of asking God what this could look like in my ministry at youth. I felt like it was such a cool way for students to learn to be still before God, and an incredible thing for leaders to be mentored in as well. It was, great, it was a great reminder and checkpoint for me. I'm far too quick to offer my opinion or advice before bringing it to Jesus and asking him to speak. I want the words that come out of my mouth to be in line with those of Jesus. This, away, this takes away my words almost completely. One young man on SOAR entered a prayer time after experiencing some difficult emotions already during, during SOAR. He had been feeling isolated and felt like a misfit on his team. A member of Ground Control entered into a time of prayer counseling with him, not at all knowing what God might say or do in this young man's life, but willing to take some time to listen and respond to God's voice. After listening to this young man's struggles so far, the leader prayed and asked God to bring clarity and truth into this complicated situation. After some time, after some listening and mediation by the leader, the Spirit led this young man to confession for not turning to God in the first place when he started to feel isolated on his team. The leader was able to remind the young man of verses from Ephesians, like Ephesians 1 verse 5 that says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. As further confirmation of this truth from scripture and of how God views this young man, the leader led them to ask God for a picture or word to finish off the prayer time. The young man closed his eyes and almost immediately began describing a picture that he saw in his mind. He was standing on one side of a large double-sided mirror. His reflection was dull and he was alone. The glass looked dirty and dark and he had no purpose. Then he stepped around to the other side of the mirror. On the other side of the reflection was on the other side, the reflection was clear and bright, and he wasn't alone, but he was surrounded by not only his own SOAR team, but every other participant, participant and leader of SOAR. He felt like he belonged, and that he added great value to the group. The leader thanked the Lord for this clear confirmation of how important this young man is in God's sight, and the young man entered the last days of SOAR refreshed, with confidence that God had a purpose for him being a part of the team this year. Thanks, Chloe. I'm going to share uh, a moment when the Holy Spirit drew near to myself and my wife, Terry. Uh, also from the SOAR time, but not so much directly linked to SOAR, but to this church. Um, Terry and I have been working for Multiply since October of 2018. But a few months into our role, we still had never been officially commissioned uh, as part of a Sunday morning service here at Forest Grove. So Marianne was trying to schedule a Sunday for, to make this happen that uh, worked for the church, but also worked for us. And what ended up working best was February 17th, which we knew would be four days into this, our first uh, running of the SOAR program, our most busy time of the year. But we committed to make it work anyways, and I'm glad we did. February 17th came, and at the end of both services, we were called to the front of the church, you may remember. We gave a little context into our role with Multiply, and many of you came forward, laid hands on us, 
and prayed that the Lord would use us in this new role. I want to thank you and encourage you that the Lord has been using that commissioning in our lives. Um, yeah, He showed up powerfully that day and continues to. Um, yeah, I would say that that morning specifically, His Spirit drew closer to me than I had ever experienced before in my life. And so I want to share a couple of things that came right out of that day. So being freshly filled with the Spirit, this commissioning here at the front, right after the second service, I went and I spoke with my bosses who were in town for sore up until that point. But that very afternoon, they were flying away to Brazil on a vision trip that overlapped with SOAR. Now, my bosses are, are Lloyd and Carol Letkeman, and they have always been a constant at any SOAR Saskatchewan program. They're the kind of, the, they're the kind of people um, that everyone looks to for spiritual leadership. After our commissioning, I felt empowered by God's Spirit and walked over to them and encouraged them with tears in my eyes that they could feel peace with leaving. Um, and that they could know that God had truly put Terry and I into our new role, not only to coordinate SOAR, but that he had also anointed us to be the spiritual leaders of SOAR too. Before our commissioning, I was honestly afraid and nervous of what SOAR program would be like without them around. The Spirit drove out that fear and replaced it with humble confidence that I could rely on Him. But that was just the start of my day. I was going to be the speaker that same day for SOAR's evening session. And after church, I was uh, quite excited uh, to the point of being a little over the top with things. If any of you know me, you know uh, that this can happen, especially when the Spirit's involved. I was seeing and uh, doing things just a little more uh, excited than normal, letting the, my emotions get the best of me, because I had never felt this close with the Holy Spirit. And as we were driving home from church that Sunday, I was saying something to my family, and we had uh, another coworker from Multiply in the van, and I felt like the Spirit tell me to stop talking. In my mind, I kind of said, yeah, yeah, and I kept talking probably telling some ridiculous story or something, when I heard that same voice say something even firmer. Ryan, shut your mouth. When I heard it this time, I took it seriously. Right then, middle of my story in the van, I stopped talking altogether. It made for a real awkward ride home, of gesturing, and trying to communicate without words what had happened. For the rest of the afternoon, I honored what the Spirit had spoken to me, and I spoke to no one. He gave me two concessions. I was allowed to speak directly to children, if I needed to, and I could audibly laugh or groan upon occasion as well. But other than that, it wasn't until I was called up for the evening session of SOAR, about 8 p.m., so seven hours later, that I was really allowed to speak again. I gave the message that I had prepared, treasuring every word that I spoke, like few other times in my life. Nothing magical happened that I know of or groundbreaking during that talk, but I do remember finishing and taking my seat and feeling like I had said exactly what I needed to say, a feeling that I rarely get because I am often careless with words. By the end of the day and as I debriefed with many people after the events of February 17th, one thing has been very clear to me. 
that when I was experiencing such a closeness with the Holy Spirit, I felt bulletproof. And I assumed that I was in some sort of spiritual safe zone and could do no wrong. That was not the case. I'm still sinful and human. And as you can imagine, even from the two testimonies I just shared, many people in our SOAR leadership team were wrestling with how here this new leader of SOAR, Lloyd and Carol just flew in a plane to Brazil, now can't or won't speak for a whole afternoon to anyone, not even to give an explanation of what was going on. I don't regret obeying the Spirit's prompting that day, but since then I can see how communicating better within my team somehow would have brought so much more unity leading up to that evening session. I am thankful for the Holy Spirit's mercy and His grace, and for the grace that the SOAR leadership team showed me through that whole experience and afterwards. And I'm also so thankful that the Holy Spirit is eager to meet all of us and work through us despite our sinfulness and our humanness. Hallelujah. Thanks, Ryan. So my name is uh, James Fraser. I was uh, very fortunate to be part of an eight-person team uh, that this church sent to Central Asia, you know, a few weeks ago. And... uh, you know, one, I just want to say thank you to the congregation, everyone here who uh, sent this group. Uh, my wife and I, Erica, were on, the, were on the team, and we were so fortunate, so blessed to participate. So thank you. And one, I want to ask for grace as I tell this story. You know, uh, as by no means am I an expert on the Holy Spirit, but I've been asked to share my story, so I'm going to do that here today. Uh, you know, and prior to this trip, it was very rare for me to speak about the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something that was comfortable, not something that I really actually ever did. Uh, but since that trip and since I've returned, I've probably spoken more about the Holy Spirit in the last few weeks than I had in the rest of my life. Uh, so my story about the Holy Spirit goes back to uh, December, when Eric and I were invited to go. And I was pretty resistant. I'm not a comfortable traveler, nor have I traveled extensively in the world, and language barriers, all those things. I wasn't very comfortable, so I was quite resistant. In fact, I didn't really want to go. But I wasn't completely close to it. Eric and I had uh, invited Marianne Berg and Marley Berg to um, you know, speak to us about what the trip may entail. And after speaking with them, had confidence, you know, any types of fears of safety, they were removed and all barriers were removed. And for me, I decided with Erica that we would go. And for me, that was just a big step of obedience, being able to hear God's call and then obey and go. And that was a big step for, for myself. You know, when you fast forward a few months to... Uh, to when we get to Central Asia. You know, and a lot of times I might, in my past, I would have probably related a lot of things that happened in my life to being coincidence, or isn't that an interesting thing that happened, right? Erica would always explain to me, you know, it's not likely a coincidence, it's likely the Holy Spirit. And I was very quick to dismiss that. And it wasn't quite right. There was a time in, uh, while we were there praying over Hakan and Dave Berg. And we were praying over Hakan and his wife, Hashai, you know, uh, for, their, for them. And there was a time when Dave spoke. And I hadn't experienced prayer like this before in my life. But it was like Dave was dressing Hakan with the armor of God and physically dressing him with shoes and with armor on his legs. And I asked Dave after we had prayed, if he prayed like that often. And he just explained that he had been led by the Spirit to be able to dress a con with the armor because he felt a con was a soldier, a warrior going into battle, and he needed to be protected. 
And it was a very just powerful image uh, to me as he physically dressed him. Um, there was a later time in that morning when we were discussing what partnership may look like. Um, and there was lots of needs about how Khan talked about family. There was also some financial needs. And so I have a pattern in my life of when I hear or am prompted, I'm going to say, to help. Or a need is identified and I would say to myself, you know what, we can help you. Or you should maybe look after some of that. And I would often not do it immediately. What I would do is say, you know what, now is not the proper time for this. Uh, don't speak up now, let's go back and think about it. Uh, and then possibly, um, you know, approach when the time is more appropriate. And, now, and what often would end up happening is that I would do nothing. And it would always be, usually end up in a little bit of a disappointment in my own inaction. And this time I was prompted. It was like God was speaking to me and says, this is a need, and you can help here, and you should look after it. And after, I didn't respond like that, but I did respond in a couple of minutes and said I could do this. And for me, that was just another step of obedience and say, you know, God, I'm seeing where you're working. I see where you're asking me to participate in your work and then doing it. For me, that was just a very powerful, powerful moment for me. The last thing I wanted to talk about is just the affirmation of uh, affirmation of God, the affirmation of the Holy Spirit through other other believers. Towards the end of the trip, we had a chance to debrief and talk about our experience. And Dave Berg had, uh, you know, he had shared a number of things with each of us that were on the team. And I'll share this the story and the picture that he painted for me. And this may seem out of sorts because at the time for me it was a little weird, you know, when he spoke it to me but I'm going to do my best to explain it to you and what it meant to me. Uh, Dave, Dave told me, uh, James, while I was praying for you this week, this is what I've seen of you. And he, said, and he painted this picture. He said, as you walk, your feet are always working. He said, and out of one foot uh, is a hammer. And I work in construction. This may help you in the construction industry. And so out of one foot is a hammer. And out of another foot is a plow. And as you walk, they are constantly breaking things down and preparing the ground below it for future things. But as you walk, you're not looking down, you're focused ahead on what is coming. And for me, it was a very powerful time. I often wonder in my career, you know, is the work that I do my own selfish ambition? Or is the work that I do part of God's work? And through other believers that spoke to me that morning, it was very clear that the work that I do, I think that's for a lot of us, the work that we do is very important to God's work, and it's very important to the church. And that was very affirming for me. You know, we often, I should say, I often look for affirmation from other people. But that morning, the affirmation from God through the Holy Spirit and other believers' words was very powerful. Thank you for letting me share my story. Can we give him a hand? Thanks, guys. I'll let you know that, uh, that next Sunday, uh, Dave and Akan will be here. Akan will be speaking. And it'll be an opportunity for our congregation to get to know these, uh, these brothers a little bit better. They'll be here for uh, about five days. And I'm really looking forward to it. So I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. Through these stories, through what we're learning. I would simply ask you to pray the prayer, Come. Holy Spirit, and open up your heart and open up your mind and allow God to speak.